0: You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing dental composites and how to choose the right restorative material for your practice. Our guest is Dr. Les Rikus, a Winnipeg native who has been practicing dentistry since 1990 at Linden Market Dental Center. He lectures internationally on laser dentistry and cosmetic dentistry and writes extensively on both topics. Dr. Rikus, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. So to begin, tell us how dental composites have evolved over the years.
1: Well, as, as we know, composites have gone from silicate cements way, way back in, uh, in the mid-20th century to acrylic resins. And then the early composites that we can really identify with were in the 70s, and those were basically macrophils. And then evolved to microfills which got a little bit better there and and microhybrids in the nineties. But the problems still were micro leakage, polishability, all the things that we need in a in a an aesthetic material, they weren't really giving us the best. And and now we've evolved to nanohybrids, which really give us the ability to in the aesthetic area, make a tooth look like a tooth, make that filling look proper. So with the materials comes the, the techniques that we use, but we're really able to do a much better job now. So with
0: all these composites on the market, these restorative composites, and there are so many of them, and there is a need for dentists to reduce inventory, what do you look for when making that decision to purchase a, a new dental composite for your practice?
1: Well, The first thing that I do, and I'm a little bit of an anomaly, I like to sit down with with the reps that come into my office and, and learn a little bit about the material before I even handle it. But the things that I'm looking for, I'm looking for... Number one in the posterior area, I want to cut down my micro leakage. So technique is obviously important as well, but the material has to be able to withstand occlusal forces. Uh, flexural strength is very important. Compressive strength. When I go to the anterior area, I want to know that the material is going to be color stable. Uh, I want to be able to work the material. I want to be able to have it adapt to the tooth properly so you don't include any voids in it. But at the end of the day, polishability is so important you have to be able to polish it to a high luster and have it maintain that luster over time and you actually can get a fair evaluation from a sales
0: rep you believe that
1: no you can get what they what they want to tell you but at least you're getting an idea and as long as they're going to drop off some material i don't mind trying it i'm certainly not going to going to rely on their on their say-so to switch out all of my material but at least I'll give it a try
0: yeah and there's no question uh, I, I know a lot of KOLs uh, that have spoken about this in the past they would not purchase a new composite without a sample like if they can't right. try it in their office and there are some dentists that use it on extracted teeth and even on ivory teeth first which is really very interesting I mean you know it, if I, I'm not practicing dentistry anymore, but if I was at this age, I don't think I'd be playing around with ivory teeth just because I don't want to bring back the nightmares of dental school. <laughs> I but, was just about to say the exact same thing. Yeah. So when you do a sample trial, um, how do you do that? You just look look at a case that looks like, OK, this is a great anterior
1: tooth that I could try this new product on. Exactly, something not too difficult. Uh, I, would probably try, if a material is both an anterior and posterior material, I'd probably try it in the posterior area first. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily think that I would jump into doing a multi-layer anterior buildup, uh, from a material that I just, you know, took right out of a box and I've never tried before. Uh, ivoryne, I wouldn't necessarily do. Extracted teeth are a little bit too dry. To, to get proper, but the ability to be able to put a material on a tooth, press it with your favorite instrument, and see is it too sticky? Is it is it nice and fl- and uh, uh, flowable, or is it moldable to the tooth? Those are the things that that'll really turn me on to a material. So, like you said, being a KOL doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to believe everything that, that the companies tell us. But it's up to us to make sure that we work the material and work it to the best of our abilities. So when you're presented a new material and you get
0: the views and evaluations of the sales rep, do you also look for research that's been done through third-party
1: well, you'd love to have third-party research for sure because you can't always trust the, you know, the research that's done by the the company that made the material. And yes, I would like to know what the compressive strength is. I would like to know, you know, what the flexural strength is, how much micro leakage is there. Uh, most companies are boasting, you know, 2% micro leakage these days. And that's that's still significant, but that's as good as we get. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get a material that they say has got 3.5% micro leakage, you know you could do better.
0: So you kind of need to know where your basic cutoff points are so that at least you you could rule out a product fairly quickly if you, if you don't see those numbers match what the standard de facto uh, numbers are. You mentioned this earlier. You mentioned anterior and posterior restorations as something that uh, you differentiate when you are selecting a material. So should a dentist be using different restorative composite for
1: anterior restorations and posterior restorations, and how does one choose? Well, it's a very good question. I don't think that you have to use different materials. There are lots of materials that are universally available for anterior and posterior. However, there are specialty composites that you can say, okay, I'm going to use a bulk fill in the posterior, and I'll do a layering technique material in the anterior. And when you get down to those specifics, there's lots of materials out there. If you're a dentist that opens up your office and, and you want to keep your costs down, there are a number of materials out there that you can use for both posterior and anterior. It depends what you want. It's kind of like different strokes for different folks, right? Right, right. No,
0: exactly. So when it comes to your office, we always like to get to hear what the KOLs are using um, and again, again, take it for what it's worth. I'm talking to my listeners now or our listeners. Um, you know, they're going to be listening to this podcast and it's nice to get to know what the KOL is using, but they have to, as you say, they have to use things that work well in their hands. What is your current reliable go to composite and tell us which applications it is especially beneficial for? Okay, I've got actually
1: a, a a number of of composites that I love to use in different applications. So so let's start off with with the anterior. In the last couple of years, I've actually been using Aura uh, from SDI Products. Um, Aura. When I do an anterior build up, it's a two-layered system, and it's a beautiful product. Does it work with every single case that I do? No, it doesn't. But when you, when you've worked with a product long enough, you know what its limitations are, and so you find another product that'll work as well. So if I'm not using Aura for an anterior buildup, I may use something like, uh, uh, TPH or, or something else, but it still has to have similar properties. Luna is another fabulous material that I've been using, and I could use that for both posterior and anterior using it different ways with with different layering techniques, but still be able to get a beautiful restoration. Uh, those are two that are my favorites. I also like for the posterior area, I like to use Activa restorative material from Pulp Dent. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful material and it's got its it's got its applications for different types of situations as well. The biggest thing with with pulp dent is it's bioactive. So so you get a little bit different of a mechanism of adhesion to the tooth and and, uh, micro leakage reduction than you would with materials like Aura and Luna. And
0: what makes you choose Aura and Luna for your composites versus using the other product? What specifically makes that decision?
1: All right. So when I'm doing a, um, a crown situation where I'm going to do a core buildup, I would most likely choose to use a bioactive material that's going to create a, a, a much tighter bond to the tooth. And we're going to get a marriage between the uh, the core material, the cement that we're going to use, which I can use uh, as well, a uh, bioactive cement, whether it's from Doxa uh, in Ceramir or uh, Pulp Dense Activa cement. So you could get a beautiful marriage bond between the core and the cement and also the cement to the the material that you're going to put over top of it, the ceramic that you're going to put over top of it. Mm-hmm. So that in the posterior area would probably be my go-to. If I'm just putting in a layered composite in the posterior area, there are infinite choices we can have. It doesn't have to be uh, active at that point. I love using Luna in the posterior. Uh, if it's a very dark dentin prep, then I can use an opaque layer over top, get rid of that darkness and then, and then put in my restorative material. So in the posterior, I can use Luna and I can, and I can cover dark dentin with an opaque shade and then layer over top of that the dentin shades. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a complex restoration. And as long as I get a nice aesthetic look to it, it still is the posterior area. I'm not as concerned as the anterior. So aesthetics, while they're still a concern, they're not nearly as demanding as they would be in the anterior area. Right. And is
0: Aura from SDI the anterior restorative
1: composite? My go-to is both Aura and Luna for the anterior. Luna would be a three-layer system Aura would be a two-layer system. Very, very different in technique, by the way.
0: Between those two products? Yep. And what's the learning curve
1: um, on that? With Aura, the learning curve is such that your first layer is going to be your thickest layer. Your dental layer is the thickest layer, whereas in a three-step system, your opaque layer is a very, very thin layer. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a dentin layer, and then you have a, a basically a clear coat over top of that, and you're getting depth of color that way. Right. With with aura, because it's a two-layer system, your, your blocking ability of the light from the oral cavity is coming from that first layer. So it could be a nice thick layer. You're getting a lot of color from it. You're basically matching the dentin of a tooth. And then you're putting your final enamel layer over top of that as a very, very thin layer. If it's too thick a layer, it's going to look milky. If it's, if it's the right thickness, it's going to allow the transmission of light of that dented layer through it and it's going to look beautiful. One of the things that I do when I'm, when I'm selecting a shade, obviously we can use our shade chips and, uh, we know that it's going to be somewhat, somewhat accurate to the color it's going to be. But the best thing that I can do is do a quick mock up with the material. I'm not worried about wasting the material. I'm worried about getting the accurate color match. So if I've got a a class four restoration, half of the incised ledge is missing, I'll build it up very quickly without bonding, just mocking it up quickly, getting a a layer that's fairly fairly thick and then uh, cure that, then go ahead and put my enamel layer over top of that and see what the color match is. And if it's not the right color, I'll go back and I'll select another one. But it, playing with it over and over and over again is going to allow you to get some sort of idea of where you're going to be heading in the first place.
0: That's a great clinical tip to do it that way. And, and I'm glad you mentioned you don't care about using the material because in the big picture, you want the patient satisfaction level to be as high as possible because that's where all the value is, is to make that patient extremely happy and grow your practice and not worry about wasting a little material to get the restoration looking perfect. Um, Great input, Dr. Rikus. I really appreciate it. Do you have any closing things you want to talk about uh, regarding using composites today, or you think you covered everything?
1: Well, I I think the the biggest message I can have delivered to, uh, let's say newer graduates is take your time, develop your technique, realize that that you're delivering a message to all of the potential patients out there, as for how artistic you are, and the more time that you spend doing this, the better your artwork is going to be.
0: Yeah, great summary, and I appreciate that final comment. We're really very happy to have someone like you on our show, and we hope to have you on future podcasts coming up.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, much appreciated.